I'm Andrea, and I believe that women have the answers, that when we come together, we can create great things. So I've created this space for women to share their stories that unite and connect us. You're listening to Our Story Speaks. Welcome, friends. Thank you for joining me today as we explore the stories and ideas that connect us. Many of the stories you'll hear in the coming weeks were recorded before coronavirus. And as I spoke about in episode 30, I really struggled and debated over continuing to share these stories in the midst of all the fear, insecurity, and death. I wasn't sure anyone would want to hear these things. I wasn't sure anyone would want to listen to this podcast. But I am convinced now more than ever that part of our rising during this difficult time is in the meaningful connections we make with other people. It is exactly now that sharing our stories, ideas, and experiences are so important. These things bring us closer together and we need that right now. So today you'll hear my conversation with Mia. Mia is an amazing woman who survived an atrocious situation and used it as the foundation for creating her life and creating a beautiful platform for women to connect. Hi, Mia. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. I am excited. I've been looking forward to this. So, yes, I'm, I'm super pumped up. Yes, and I appreciate you taking your time. Uh, I just want to remind listeners that we're going to dive into some really uh, vulnerable conversation today. So please take care um, while you're listening. And so, yeah, Mia, please share with us a little bit about yourself. Well, let's see, where do I start? I I wear a lot of hats. (laughs) As you can tell, I wear a lot of hats. Yeah. But, um, you know, I'm I'm very happy uh, being able to, I feel very blessed to be able to not only work on a little bit of what my passion is, but also my purpose. And um, so I'm a SAG actress. Um, I'm a keynote speaker. So I enjoy going out there and telling and sharing my story. Uh, I'm also in the entertainment industry. So I'm, you know, model, producer, I do TV, radio, hosting. Um, I'm off, I'm an author as well, best-selling author, and I'm excited about that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and an entrepreneur. I've had my own businesses. I've, I've known what it's like to start from nothing, build it up, and then also have it completely be taken away from you, have to walk away from it, and in the process of rebuilding. So that's what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> and it's I fun to summarize. Yes, and I can't forget that I am a full-time single mother of an amazing 12-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, you are doing some amazing things right now that we are going to get into today. I'm very excited about it. It speaks to me so clearly. Um, but I would love for you to share with our my audience your journey to this place. Um, yeah, please, please go into that. Yeah, so um, as far as, um, you know, coming into in contact with you and um, this, you know, podcast world, it's amazing how our journeys can lead us into so many opportunities. And um, my story uh, in itself has been a journey, a long journey, which I'm still on. And um, little did I know 
that what I went through would actually be something that later would become my purpose. So I, I, I'm a founder as well of um, Viva, Viva's, I'm sorry, Viva Women's Empowerment Community. Mm-hmm. And um, it's an organization that empowers women through the sharing of our stories. And um, we have events and, and different resources for women that maybe don't feel quite um, ready to just reach out and pick up the phone, call a 1-800 number, because, you know, that can be scary. And through our events, they get to create friendships and sisterhood. And then they get to see women that overcome stories, um, I mean, overcome certain obstacles in their life, like myself. And then they find hope. And when they encounter certain obstacles and they feel ready to reach out to one of us in, you know, in our committee and or myself. So what I can say is that um, this journey has been um, long. It's been unexpected. It's nothing that I, from a little girl, thought, oh, one day I want to become a speaker or, oh, one day I'm going to write a book one day I'll be sharing my story. That's something that just happened. And a lot of people talk about when your pain becomes your purpose. And that's one of the things that happened for me. And, and I hope that as people listen to my story today, that I hope that they find that, that hope, that light at the end of the tunnel, that whatever they may be going through, maybe their story is not going to be exactly like mine, but we certainly all face obstacles and adversity in different ways. And I do want to encourage everyone um, as we go into sharing my story and, and what I do and, and the amazing things that are, ha- that are happening, I do want to just sprinkle a little bit of love and a little bit of hope and light into every heart that feels like, like that they, they feel discouraged or that they feel like their life is over or that maybe it's meaningless, or maybe they lo- they've lost their way. Mm-hmm. And um, that's what I'm hoping for today through my story. Yeah, perfect. So uh, where did it begin? How did, how did this journey begin for you? So um, let's rewind, let's say now what, um, my daughter's 12 years old. So, um, you know, like, like uh, many of us uh, that, have experienced divorce we don't walk into it thinking oh i'm gonna get married and one day i'll get divorced right (laughs) right you walk into it and you're hoping for the best and you want a family and you want that home and and that husband and you know we're only responsible for what we give we can't blame ourselves for what the other person doesn't put on their end and um in my case i i came from a from a a Mexican family and um you know for us it's like a big family so it's like all the the um the meetups we have every Sunday and it's like always you know a whole bunch of people right and I'm used to being around that so Mm -hmm. I live here in the Bay Area and all of a sudden um when you know the dot com uh boom hit uh, I'm sorry the crash and uh all of that happened my you know father lost his job and they moved and I'm talking like first my certain family members moved all of a sudden there's like 20 something people that just moved and they left to El Paso so yeah I found myself alone and you know being someone who's so used to having someone around and never having developed self self-love and an identity of who I really was 
I thought, well, what's my next step? Well, of course I'm going to get married now, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm like, no, I'll get married. And, um, I was married, uh, shortly after that, uh, unfortunately what became, what was my dream, which was, you know, be a wife and a mother and, um, having a family became, um, a nightmare to me. And, uh, I didn't know, I kind of had a feeling, but I didn't know my ex-husband, um, was an alcoholic and, um, shortly after, you know, being married, it's like reality hits you of who you marry. Yeah. Um, fast forward to a few years went by, things, things were really bad. And sometimes you don't know how bad they are until you're actually outside of the situation. Mm -hmm. I just knew that I felt like my life was slipping away from me. And from the outside, people saw me, I was the entrepreneur. I had different businesses um, with him and being, having built those businesses with him, I was tied to him. So I found myself very lost and um, there was, there became a point where me being the businesswoman and me being the one who told people what to do, delegated responsibilities, I was the one that had teams that I would run. I had no control over my life at all or my finances. And the, the weird thing is that I didn't know that there was anything wrong with that. I just felt like, well, you know, he's my husband and I have to, you know, he's the head of the household. He's, you know, the leader and, and I respect that and I'm going to honor that. And a lot of my upbringing, of course, had to do with, with that. And um, there's a lot of things that, that happened at that point where I finally came after years went by. Um, things were so bad that I, um, I had to leave my marriage and I didn't know how. Yeah. I mean, he had isolated you, you like physically, it sounds like he could overpower you. I mean, in all the ways you were so trapped, you had a small child. Yes. In in all the ways, you know, when it comes to, um, the spectrums of abuse, I was experiencing every single one of them and I didn't even know. And a lot of people from the outside end would have thought, but she has it all together. Her life is great. Yeah. And a lot of people that may be even listening to this, they may not even know that they're in an abusive relationship mm -hmm. because I didn't know that. I certainly did. And I would have never thought that I could be, I mean, I was a businesswoman. I was the strong woman that everybody looked to. And how could I be the one that I didn't even know the word victim um, mm -hmm. in, in what domestic violence was. I just didn't know. And yes, I didn't have control over my finances. Um, I worked so much and it came to the point where, um, yeah, I couldn't even go to the bank and take out money for myself. I couldn't even go to the, uh, the mailbox because why would I go to the mailbox if um, he was the one supposedly now paying the bills, which I'm going to rewind real quick. When, when I realized I have no control over my life and I've built everything with him, how can I leave this? Not knowing again that I was in an abusive relationship. How in the world am I going to leave this? I thought to myself, hmm, you know what? I always wanted to become an actress. And that's one thing 
that he could never take away from me. How I was going to do it, I had no idea because I'm in the Bay Area, not in LA or, you know, Miami, New York, where it would be so much easier to step into that industry. But mm-hmm. I said, I don't even know and I don't care, but I'm going to do it. And that decision was made, and I referenced that in, in the book, Lead with Viva, in my chapter, where I describe why my organization was started. And I was driving up the hill, and, um, and I do talk about what happened prior to that. And I had just, I, I was in my house, I literally just felt like I needed to leave. It's like those moments that someone who's a, who's a victim knows what these feelings are when your body turns hot, turns cold at the same time. You wanna scream, but you know you can't. You wanna cry, but you're fighting back the tears. And I didn't know what to do. I just felt like I wanted to run in the street like a crazy woman. Um, I grabbed my keys. Luckily, my daughter was at my mother's house. I grabbed my keys and I just took off in my car and I just started driving. I didn't even know where I was gonna drive, but I just, or where I was going, I just drove. And there's this hill by my house that I have never even really went up that hill, never paid attention to it. But for some reason I went up that hill. And when I got to the top of the hill, I had already been crying um, as I was driving. My hands were trembling when I was on the steering wheel. And when I got to the very top, I had to pull over because I was crying so profusely. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even, I couldn't even see. So as I pulled over, I see this beautiful rainbow. I mean, I'm sorry, I see this beautiful, I wish it was a rainbow. I see this beautiful sunset oh, with, a, yeah. with, with so many colors, like just beautiful colors in that sunset that you would think that's almost, you know, the colors in, in the rainbow was so beautiful. And as I'm looking at it, and then the sun starts, you know, going down, it was, I, I realized something and I was like, wait a minute, what happened to me? Mm-hmm. I was that light. I used to shine that bright. My future looked that beautiful. And as the sun started going down, sadly enough, I identified more now with the darkness that started coming over the sky than I did with the light. Yeah. And it was in that moment that I real that, that I made a promise to myself that I said I and again I didn't know I was going through an abusive relationship. I just knew. I'm gonna get out, I'm gonna make a way, I'm gonna step into the entertainment industry. I don't know how, but that's been my passion since I was little and that's what I'm gonna do mm-hmm. because I'm 33 years old and nobody's ever asked me, yeah, what do you want? I've always, I've always been the one to help everybody else, you know, accomplish their dreams, follow everything, but nobody asks me. So I need, I need to be there for me now. And um, I also say in the chapter that prior to that, what had happened, the reason why I just ran out of the house was um, it had happened one more time where I had uh, been forced to have sex with my ex-husband, which back then, if I said no, it was like, what do you mean no? You can't say no because until you bear my last, until you do not bear my last name, you don't say no to me. Mm-hmm. And in order for me to pay anything, like I said, even my cell phone bill or anything like that, I had to pretty much pay with sex in order to have my basic means taken care of. So 
that's where that's where Viva began on that hill. And um, from there, my story my story began. My my journey of of um, healing, I guess I can say. Yeah, I love how you said. Um, no one asked me, Mia, what do you want? And so I had to ask myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that reminds me of one of my favorite quotes and I'm just summarizing it, but essentially like everything you're looking for is within you. Mm. And I think so, you know, we wait for other people to to cre- help us create the life we want or to ask <laughs> us what we want. And we're just assuming that at some point that's going to happen, right? Right. Surely someone's going to ask me, <laughs> but that doesn't happen. It, we have to create our own life. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So Viva is born on a hill over a sunset. Yes. But let me tell you something. I didn't, at that point, I didn't know um, that I was going to create an organization. I just told myself, I don't know what I'm feeling right now but I just know that I feel trapped and I have family around and I have friends, but I can't go to them. And I wish I had a group of other women that I could open up myself to with no judgment mm-hmm. and that we could talk about these things so that I could know like, what can I do? What are my options? What does it look like? You know, is there light at the end of the tunnel? I needed to know that. And when I was on that hill, um, funny enough, <laughs> There was planes also flying by, and I just, um, for me, I'm I'm a Christian. That's my that's my faith. And I remember praying to God, and I said, Lord, if you get me out of this, meaning out of this marriage, if you get me out of this one day, I promise you that what I don't have right now, I will build it. I will create it, and I will have i will allow for other women to have a space to feel safe and to be able to feel like they're not alone and in that moment let me tell you andrea as i opened my eyes and i had still been crying i saw another plane fly by and i i felt god telling me one day you will share this story and i will fly you to places that you will share this in front of women and i just saw a vision i saw a vision of women standing up clapping and it wasn't like they were clapping for me but i was on a stage and i was speaking to them and they were crying and there was healing in the room and at that moment i i didn't know exactly what that would be or what it meant but i just felt like i just felt like there was hope at the end of my story there would be hope yeah that's beautiful it's um it's it's so um amazing it's so amazing that when you say yes when you say yes to the possibility of what is in front of you what is to come how your journey it'll take you different places but it's so amazing how it'll all turn back around i can tell you this um, I, and again, I refer to it in the book as my chapter opens up, I speak about how I was on the stage and all these women were in front of me, it was a hundred women in front of me, all wearing their black dresses. Mm-hmm. And that was our fourth event for Viva. And it was a mask we hide behind. That was our theme. 
And I was on, as I was on that stage, my mind just took me back to the moment on the hill. And I said, wow, this was the moment that God showed me. This was it. And to top it off, the hill that I went, <laughs> the hill that I had driven on that day, um, years later, my house foreclosed and I didn't, know, I didn't know where I was going to live because I was like, I have a foreclosure on my credit. Here I am. I'm not even employed right now because I had been through so much trauma. Uh, I literally was on a DV exemption, a domestic violence exemption, because I, there were so many triggers that would set me off anytime at any given moment throughout the day. I couldn't even hold a job. So I had an exemption, but I couldn't work while I went through therapy and so much counseling group even one-on-one. So when I was, um, you know, lost my home and I was like, where am I going to (laughs) go? It was funny because my daughter was like, well, mommy, you know, we just have to pray. And um, she would pray, God bless her heart at night. The poor thing, she would be praying. She'd be like, Lord, please help us find a house and let it be right by here so that I can still go to my school and um let it be that they also um accept doggies because i don't want to be without fancy because i was one of our dogs one of them had passed away the other one was her little shih tzu and i would open up one eye and i'd be like oh this poor girl she doesn't even know i have no money my credit is screwed and this is a very high-end area that we had lived in for a long time i was like this little girl's asking for too much but god bless her heart (sighs) and you know what There was a house she saw on Craigslist and she's like, mommy, I just want to see it. Can we go see it? So just, you know, to make her feel part of the search process, I actually, I had her um, come with me and saw the house and the landlord, they didn't even want dogs. And about a week, a week and a half later, she said, you know, I don't know what it is with you. You're definitely the least one that we should go with. You have a you're a huge risk because you just foreclosed on your house. You don't have a job. And my parents were moving in with me though, but they're just like, you know, I know your parents have income, but you don't have income right now. And we don't want dogs. Um, and there are five other people, two of them are offering more than what we're asking for rent. But for some reason, I don't know why I feel like we have to give you the house. Wow. And guess oh what? My God. This is the house that I live in. This is the hill where God showed me my vision. And I get to see those planes fly by every day as God's confirmation that your story's not done and your story's going to go places. So, wow. Again, oh my God. Again, that's just, that's just, I, I want to just sprinkle some hope and some love and some light into somebody's heart today that whoever, whenever it is that you hear this message, just to know that your journey is going to take you places and know that that doors will open no matter how bad circumstances seem doors will open but you have to say yes you have to say yes to you and what your dreams are and what your you know what your passion is and what your purpose is that's what viva stands for viva is vision inspiration voice and acceptance and the reason why i chose vision as the first one was because when i was coming up that hill I, not only did I see that vision, but I had lost already what my dreams were when I was younger. And that's the moment that I decided, like you said, Andrea, you know what? I'm worth it to dream again. 
And a lot of us have lost our dreams and our hopes, you know, along the way life has knocked us down. But you have the right. You are worth dreaming again. You know, just, you just have to ask yourself again, what do I want? Yeah. And like, like you said, don't wait on other people because other people are busy making their life happen. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, that's so beautiful, inspiring. Thank you. So um, how, how were you able to leave this marriage? How you were know, you able to get out? So, um, so basically, um, my ex-husband had lost a case. Um, he was being sued and they put him on house arrest. And uh, this had to do with real estate. And um, during that, now I had already started my career in entertainment. I had already started going to LA. Doors were opening for me left and right. And um, he ended up, like all abusers, they will find a way to creep in. So he ended up um, saying, well, you want to go to LA? Well, now I'm going to go with you. And that was my, I didn't have a choice. So anyway, he went. And of course, as soon as he got involved, I just saw this is going to go, this is going to crash and burn real fast. So I literally had to step outside. I'm going to step out of the industry in, in LA and, and I had to sit out on my dreams. And that was very hard for me to do. But while he was doing that, even though he was on house arrest, because um, people say like house arrest, you can't even leave your house. Well, he was smart enough and narcissistic and abusive and con artist and all of that, he knew that if he did, if he opened up an LLC, um, he could travel. So now since I was doing well, he said, oh, he had this uh, entertainment company now from Bay Area to LA and they bought it. So he was traveling back and forth. In one of the trips, he ended up uh, getting pulled over uh, and he ended up getting a DUI. Uh, remember, I wasn't able to go to my mailbox, so I never did. But that day, Stars Agency, this one day, Stars Agency called me, um, who's my talent management agency, and they said, you know what, Mia, we're so sorry. We know you want us to hold your checks, but somebody new um, was doing payroll and your checks went out, so it should be there today. So I was like, oh my gosh, because I, any check that would come in my name, he literally would just sign the back and the money was his. He would just take it to the bank and that was it. And I was so scared to go to the bank, so that's why I didn't have any money. So I said, oh my goodness. So he wasn't there. So I ran to the mailbox and as I go to the mailbox and I find the check that my agent sent me, I see a check that says urgent. I mean, a check, a, a letter that says urgent. And it was from, um, you know, from the county. And I thought, oh my goodness, what's, he's not here. And well, I'm going to just have to open it. So I opened it. And in that letter, it said that he had failed. Um, he had failed. Uh, testing to crystal meth and he had tested positive oh wow you know never in my life never in my craziest idea would I ever have that he would be involved in something like that I didn't know and that was my ticket to my freedom because I called my mother at that moment and I said Mom, are you home? She said, yeah. I said, is my dad there? She said, yes. They were only three blocks away from my house. I said, she said, he's here on, on lunch hour. I said, please tell him to stay there. I'm on my way. I drove over there. And they speak Spanish. So 
I, but they understand a little bit of English. So I read the letter to them and then I just put it on the table. And my mom just looked at me and said, well, what, is, what does that really mean? I'm not understanding. And I said, he's on drugs. He's been on drugs. I said, and I do not feel safe. I had already, I had already went to my parents before, but you know, they had said, work it out. <laughs> yeah. Figure it out. With that letter, my, I'll never forget my dad just he doesn't cry he just took a deep breath and I remember tears I remember him crying because I think he felt guilty that he had put me in harm's way and he had sent me back when I had literally went to his their house one day with my at the time two dogs and my daughter and I said something's wrong with him I don't feel safe and I don't want to go back there. And the next morning, they told me, go work things out with your husband. And I'll never forget that day, how my dad, you know, cried. But in that moment, they said, we're moving in with you. Because that's the only way that they would keep me safe. And the day that, the day that um, they pulled up with the U-Haul, which was only three blocks away again. Literally, he saw them and he's like, what are they doing here? And I never told him, by the way, I never told him that I saw the letter. I never said anything to him. Um, I just kept that letter. And I just said, you know, I've asked you before to move out and you don't want to move, but I will not live under this roof one more day by myself with you. At that very moment, he grabbed his things and he left. Mm-hmm. And that was how I finally got him to leave the house oh wow but I kept that letter and one day when I finally went to court and asked for a restraining order he didn't even know that letter had ever been sent and those are one of the things that I presented to the judge amongst other evidence like a photo of of a bullet hole in my kitchen my kitchen um ceiling because again he had been drunk and he had the gun and it went off and um my daughter was literally walking by barely barely missed her but um yeah there were so many things and and i was granted a restraining order um he moved out uh in that moment i i was left with nothing i mean i didn't even have access to money already anyway and um, a friend of mine said you know you go you need to go and ask for assistance government assistance and i was like what like no what are you talking about like i was the entrepreneur i was a business owner look at the house i live in i live in a million dollar home they're not going to believe me and she said mia this is about your daughter because my daughter had gotten a little bit sick and i didn't have health insurance and you know andrea i remember sitting in the parking lot for about 20 minutes just sobbing because i couldn't believe that i was that woman now Mm-hmm. when I was the one who was an entrepreneur before and I had people coming in paying their bills like in my um, insurance company and I remember like some people that didn't work and I knew they were in government assistance and when they would leave I'd be like wow in my mind I thought well that must be nice I'm over here busting you know my butt paying yeah. their with my tax dollars you know you have two hands two feet you know you're thinking straight and and you're on government assistance I had the most humbling experience that day in the parking lot because I was the one that gave people jobs 
and now I didn't have a way to feed my daughter. Yeah. So I was on government assistance for some time. Um, I can tell you that right away they put me on. That's the day that I found out that I was a victim of domestic violence, domestic abuse. I had no idea. It wasn't because they asked me, um, why are you here? And I started explaining not just my financial situation, but they asked, started asking me certain questions and I started answering them. And they just told me, do you know that you're a victim of domestic violence? And I was like, no, but I mean, I don't, he didn't really hit me. Like I've never been to the hospital because he hit me. And they just explained how abuse is, you know, verbal, you know, the, the emotional abuse, the financial aspect of it, the physical abuse where, you know, um, sex was, sex was forced upon me mm. and I had no say so. So all those things is when I realized and my healing began because they put me, thank God, they put me on one-on-one -on -one therapy twice a week, plus group therapy. And um, I was on suicide watch as well because I didn't, and not because I said I wanted to kill myself, but people don't understand the trauma, the trauma that you're left with or when you are with an abuser. Yeah. Even after you leave, those triggers can really set you off. And, you know, I will never judge anyone again who is out there, you know, outside of their liquor store, outside of, you know, the groceries on the street outside of, you know, on the freeway as you're asking for money. I'll never judge even a woman who's out there stripping whatever she has to do to feed her kids. I will not judge them because you don't know what happened in their life to take them to that place. Certainly nobody's young and thinks, oh, one day I'm going to be begging for money. One day I'll be stripping for money or I'll be doing those things. No, that's nobody's goals. Yeah. We don't know what happened in their life to get them to that place. So it's so important to have compassion for people yeah it's true we don't know what got them there and no one wants that life right yeah it's, it's totally easy for people to do to create an us versus them situation but it's mm -hmm. never that simple it's always us it's always all of us yes yeah it is so um Tell us how you, so you, you felt inspired, you left, you're, you, you're making some changes in your life. How does, how did you get to actually creating Viva? So, um, I wanted to start speaking and, um, I had already started going and sharing my story. I started, you know, with high school, uh, because I wanted, I wanted especially, well, the young men to know what's, right and what's wrong because a lot of a lot of abuse takes place because that's what they've seen at home and they think it's okay and even with with girls you know with young girls they see it at home so they allow it in their relationships so i started doing that and i got invited to a few uh, conferences and um you know after after enduring every spectrum of abuse that there is i didn't know there was one after you leave your abuser and that is called systematic abuse. And that is when they use the system now, because now you're not within their, um, within their reach to control you and manipulate you or to hurt you. Now they'll use the system to hurt you. And um, he was very politically, 
you know, influential, I guess you could say with uh, different people here in, in the community, in the city of, of where I live. And um, I got the, the first judge was great. He granted me the restraining order and all those things, but he retired like literally months after. And I ended up uh, being moved. Our case went to uh, another judge in family court and that was a very corrupt judge. Everything, everything that she said as a warning, if you do this, this is gonna happen. She would never follow through with him. He would break every rule. He would do whatever he wanted and there was never consequences. Meanwhile, with me, it was like, um, I was in court literally in 2018. I started counting after 60 days in court, six zero in one oh, year. Oh my. Yes, I mean, he had six different cases against me. He used the house that hadn't foreclosed yet at the time. Um, he called the city on me, the code enforcement. He had the HOA on me. Then I had family court and um, all these different things. So when he saw me trying to share my story, um, he quickly used that against me. And the judge one day told me, um, she said, Ms. Perez, if I find out that you are presenting yourself as a victim or as a survivor of domestic abuse, you will be held in contempt of the court and you will go to jail. And I looked at wow. my attorney. Yes. I looked at my attorney and I just, and I, I looked back at the judge. I said, your honor, but in sharing my story, I've never said his name or his last name. I do it to give other women hope because, and she said, but in you doing that, uh, one day your daughter will have social media and she might have access to it already. And she's going to think that her dad is abusive. And I responded, I said, first of all, my daughter does not have access to social media, but second, there's restraining orders in place. There is, there is evidence that he has been the abuser. And she just looked at me and she said, Ms. Perez, don't test me. Wow. So at that moment, I just knew that I had to sit back and not share my story, but it was not going to quiet my voice. That's another thing with Viva, vision, inspiration, voice. And that's where my voice came in. I said, okay, you can shut me up. I'll give you that because you have that power over me right now. But you will not be able to quiet the voices of the other women. So I established Viva so that other women could share their stories. And not necessarily of just women that you know are going or are survivors of domestic violence, but just stories period where they overcome adversity and are now are using their stories to empower other women. And that grew. I put all my focus and all my energy and my purpose and my passion into that. And um, that's where it started growing. That's where the voice of Viva came in. It was a vision. It was a dream. I dared to dream again, inspiration, and then the voice and, um, and acceptance and accepting that like I shared earlier that maybe your life didn't turn out the way it's supposed to be or the way you thought it would be. But we just have to come to terms with the fact that one, I had to accept responsibility that I should have paid attention to different red flags that I maybe bypassed because I just wanted a family so bad and I wanted to get married and I was so young, but I should have seen he drank a lot. I should have seen, um, certain red flags that I, again, I just bypassed. So I had to take responsibility. You have to have, you have to take accountability for 
your bad decisions, you know, even just not knowing, and you can't always play the victim. You have to accept the fact that maybe there's things that I could have done better. Mm -hmm. And also the fact that, you know what, if I'm still breathing today, if I'm still here, if my heart is beating, if I am on this earth, I still have an opportunity to do something with my life. I can still accomplish a purpose. Like I can, and if I don't know what my purpose is, well, you know what? I want to find out what it is. And the room for healing, the accepting the fact that I'm hurting in places for me to have allowed these things to happen to me and to be open to, to be open to um, therapy to be open to uh, different programs that are available. I went to codependency recovery, a 12 step program for that as well. And, um, and just, you know, for me, it was my faith. I really had to, I really had to grab a hold of, for me, God's hand, because I knew there was purpose in it. And a lot of times I would really question and I would not just wonder why me, but I would also wonder why so long because literally it was five years that he dragged me to the court where I couldn't even hold a regular job down. I, I couldn't do it because when you're subpoenaed to go to court, you can't just not go. Yeah. Like you have to go. And literally almost every week, as soon as I'd walk out of my house or as soon as I'm picking up my daughter from school, you've been served. It didn't matter who I was in front of, in front of my daughter, whoever. And um, that's the way my life was. And, and one can certainly get, one can certainly get caught up in the victimized, um, victimized mentality mm -hmm. and, um, and think like, well, this is our, this is what already happened to me, but you know what life can happen to you or it can, it can happen through you. Mm. And I rather it be through me. Like these are things that have happened through my life and now through me, I'm going to do, I'm going to give life something better. I'm going to give people my, my experience, my lessons, what my pain was, and now what my hope is. So I think that's really important when yeah. we go through adversities. Yeah. Um, Mia, you are so inspiring. I mean, to have the attitude you have after everything you've been through is just, it's uh, remarkable. Thank you, Andrea. I really appreciate you sharing this. It's deeply important to hear this and um, very meaningful. Thank so you thank so you. much. Yeah. You're welcome. And, and one more thing I'd like to add is, is just remember that, that our kids are watching us. Mm. And that's one thing that I always kept in mind. I said, I can't give up. There's no way that I can give up because my daughter's watching me. Yes, she's watched how many times I've been knocked down, but she watches me every time I get up. Yeah. And she's going to see what the outcome of all of this is going to be. And the legacy we leave our children with, again, life is going to happen to us, but how are we going to respond? because our kids can take valuable lessons from that and they're watching us. So I mean, my, my heart for me is not just women, not just others, but my daughter. I don't want her to ever come back to me one day when she's older and say, mommy, 
I can't do this. And I told her before, I said, you'll never tell me that you can't do something because you have seen your mother do everything, no matter what comes against her. Yeah. And that's the one thing we want to just keep in mind that, you know, even if we don't find the strength within us, just look at the faces of your children, look into their eyes and see their heart and find the strength within you to keep going. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Please uh, share with my listeners how they can find out more about Viva and you and all your social um, handles and all that good stuff. Yes, of course, of course. Well, I just started my own podcast. It's not about Viva. It's just real conversations with Mia Perez. Um, I'm going on my third episode right now. And um, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, Just find Mia Perez. And uh, also on Instagram, miaperez.official. And um, we have a Facebook page for Viva Women also. So you can look for Viva Women's Empowerment Community. And I do have a website that I just opened and I forgot the name of it right now. I think it's vivawomen.org. But anyways, I, I will, it, it's on uh, the Facebook page. So and we'll um, make sure that goes in the show notes. Wonderful. Thank yeah. you. And, and please, you know, um, just connect with me. Send me a message, even if it's a message, uh, especially through the Viva Women's Empowerment Community page, send me a message there. I personally respond to all of those. And if there's any time that you need to reach out, you need some hope, then um, look for your tribe. I am going to tell you that too. And if you don't find it, find the strength to become it, to build it, just like I did, because we can definitely do that. But I'm always here for people to reach out. And um, and yeah, that's the way to get a hold of me. And I'm and I'm so I'm so grateful to you, Andrea, for this opportunity and for all of you listening. Thank you so much for for your time and for your heart. And um, and yeah, I'm I'm so blessed to be on here today. Yeah. Well, um, my last few questions are: um, I would love to know what you're doing, listening to, learning about that's that you love these days that's got you fired up. Okay, what am I listening to these days or what am I doing? Well, I'll tell you one thing. I, I um, le- recently dropped 10 pounds and to a lot of people that may not be a lot of weight, but the mental pack baggage I dropped with it and the power that I found behind like, wow, I was able to do this. Yeah. Um, mental health. I'm, I'm just looking for all the things that help me with my emotional and my mental health. So I'm doing just a lot of YouTubes, a lot of videos. Um, and definitely I have a devotional book that I read every single morning. And it's really short because I'm always like so busy. Uh, it's called Jesus is Calling. And I that gives me the strength. It's short enough for me to keep it to five minutes. So I can do what I got to do. And um, I always have my Bible reading because again, that's, that's my faith. But then there's also one book that is called... The language of letting go. And oh yeah. Yeah, the daily meditations of codependency. I got that for my twelve step recovery for codependency. So I do that, and and I love salsa, so I love to dance. So anytime I'm feeling a little bit like yeah, in a funk, turn on my music. I just turn it on, you know, and just pump it up. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's yeah. an amazing <laughs> way to change your mood. Perfect. <laughs> 
And so Mia, my final question today is what advice would you give your younger self? The advice I'd give myself when I was younger, one I would start with learn how to love yourself because I, I know that had I learned that and learned who I was, I would have avoided a lot of these things that happened. That's one for sure. Learning what self-love really was. Mm -hmm. And second, just to know that, just to know that it's not, giving up is never gonna be an option. No matter how tough times are, there's always going to be a door that's gonna open. And maybe it's not gonna be at the timing that I would expect or the way or the door I expect, or certainly something is going to open. So to never give up hope. Yeah. Oh, that would that's be it. beautiful. Thank you. Well, thank you again. And um, again, your vulnerability and your courage has been amazing to hear. And thank you so much. Thank you so much for spending your time with me. I hope you got some value out of what you heard today. You can find information about upcoming episodes on Facebook and Instagram at Our Story Speaks. You can also email me at OurStorySpeaks2019 at gmail.com. So please send me an email if you have a story to share with other women. You can now listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Anchor. I have excellent guests and topics in stores, so please like, share, and subscribe. Send me your feedback and leave comments. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you.